Hello, and welcome to another episode of Everyday Voices. I'm Andrew Hirsch, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ezeldine Masri. Ez, how are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. On today's episode, we're going to be continuing our discussion on the new Israeli government. In part one of this series, we spoke with new Darkinu CEO, Rachel Azaria. You can access that episode in the show notes if you have not listened already. And to get the Palestinian perspective, Ez, tell us a little bit about our guest today. Yes, today uh, we have with us uh, Mr. Al-Ajrami. Mr. Al-Ajrami is a Palestinian from uh, Gaza, and uh, he was an activist uh, during uh, the first uh, uprising of 1987. He was in prison uh, in Israel, and uh, when he came out after spending a long period of time uh, with the Oslo Agreement, uh, he was appointed by Yasser Arafat, uh, back then as uh, the Minister of uh, Prisoners. Uh, Mr. Ashraf al-Ajrami is well known uh, in the Palestinian uh, peace camp. Uh, he's a strong supporter of the two-state solution, and uh, he's among those respected in Palestine and internationally. And even inside Israel, he's interviewed, and his voice is heard inside Israel. Yes. Great. Thanks, Saadez. So without further ado, let's bring Ashraf onto the show. Ashraf, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Great, well, let's jump right into it. So the new Israeli government has uh, taken over. Benjamin Netanyahu's coalition has been sworn in. Can you give us a quick overview to start of how the Palestinian population has reacted to this change? And what are some of the big elements that you know you feel are different compared to the previous government? The Palestinian public and the Palestinian leadership also uh, see this government as the most extremist, racist government uh, in Israel ever. And they see that this government program uh, intends to prevent uh, any option to have a two-state solution. The main object of this government is the annexation, the de facto annexation of the uh, Palestinian territories, especially Area C, started with imposing the Israeli uh, law on the uh, uh, Israeli settlements in West Bank and Area C. And uh, after that, to change the status quo, the historic status quo in East Jerusalem, especially in Al-Aqsa Mosque. With these Steps, I think the uh, government uh, prevents uh, any kind of solution, especially when we are speaking about uh, agreed upon solution, uh, uh, two state solution. The Israeli government wants to destroy this option and to put facts on the ground that prevent the two sides to reach in the near future and for a long time to uh, reach the two-state solution or any compromise that should be accepted by the two people. And Ashraf, what's the PLO strategy to confront the declared objectives of the Israeli government? Uh, These days, uh, I think there is a, a serious discussion within Palestinian leadership especially PLO leadership, uh, 
And uh, I think within a few days, it will be a very uh, serious declaration from PLO leadership uh, towards the, this development with the Israeli government. And, and Ashraf, how does these new sanctions the Israeli government has placed on Palestinian officials factor into the response that we'll see from the PLO? The most serious one is to prevent Palestinians from building in Area C. It means that the Israeli government wants to prevent any kind of developing the Palestinian economy and also to impose the fact that Area C is under the Israeli control and the, uh, 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 the agreement between Benjamin Netanyahu and this uh, Smotrich is to impose the civil uh, Israeli law uh, on Area C. It means it is not an occupied territory from the Israeli point of view, it is part of Israel. And with these sanctions, I think the Israeli uh, government implement this agreement, and it is a very serious one. And I think it is against the international uh, uh, willingness to have a solution and also against what the Americans and Europeans and the whole world uh, want to see in this area. Uh, Ashraf, can you explain to us uh, what's the logic uh, uh, behind the PLO uh, seeking a verdict from the International Court of uh, Justice? What's the objective? You know, this is one of the Palestinian struggle options. Uh, the, the international community intervention is the most important one because there's no balance between the Israeli force and the Palestinian struggle. And because of that, the Palestinians seek balance between the two sides. The international intervention is uh, important to have this balance and also to put the pressure on the Israeli government to change its policy. Because when we, uh, we reach a situation that there is no uh, option to change the Israeli government policy. The only option is the violence. We don't want to uh, be uh, drawn into violence. We want to have a political and diplomatic solution. And the diplomatic uh, one is to go to the international uh, bodies and especially the United Nations, maybe the uh, uh, international uh, uh, court of justice and maybe the criminal court and other uh, organizations to uh, uh, maybe make the Israeli government withdraw from its policy to destroy the option and the hope of having two-state solution. Regardless that the Oslo agreement uh, signed 30 uh, years ago, it states very clearly and it prohibits uh, the Palestinians from going to international organizations seeking arbitration. So the, the PLO taking that position, uh, even though the Oslo Agreement signed 30 uh, years ago, prohibits the PLO from taking that route. Yes, uh, also the, the Israeli government didn't respect this agreement. The most important item of the Oslo Agreement is the withdrawal from Area C. The majority of Area C should be the, uh, 
transfer to the Palestinian sovereignty and Palestinian control. And the Israeli government didn't do that, even uh, didn't respect the uh, Palestinian sovereignty and control in area A and B. The Israeli daily invasions in area A and the uh, killing and the, the demolishing uh, houses, uh, arresting people, uh, they did everything against the agreement. Because of that, I think there is no agreement de facto on the ground and the Israeli side did what uh, it is uh, maybe appropriate for uh, its policy, not for this agreement. And I think the uh, Palestinian leadership is not committed uh, to this agreement when the Israeli side uh, violates it by daily basis. So it's a tit for tat. And now it's time for unilateral steps. Israel doing unilateral, they're disregarding Oslo, and the Palestinian leadership is also doing unilateral steps and disregarding uh, Oslo. Yes. That's true. Yes, there's no options to uh, uh, there's no option to uh, make the Israeli government withdraw from uh, its policy without uh, very serious uh, intervention from the international community. We want the international com community to impose the respect of Oslo agreement and the other agreements with Israel and to respect the international law, law and the international human uh, law. But the Israeli government, unfortunately, didn't respect anything, just its policy and its extremist and uh, maybe very racist policy against Palestinians. Not Palestinian side, said that also the Israeli uh, human rights uh, organizations like B'Tselem, Peace Now, and others uh, uh, said that, that the Israeli government now uh, starting uh, an apartheid policy in West Bank against Palestinians. Now, Ashraf, I want to I focus on the international community a little bit more. We've seen a lot of organizations from around the world and government bodies and politicians speak out against what we've seen and what we anticipate from this new Israeli coalition. How do the people on the ground in Palestine feel about this international response? And do they feel like pressure from the international community can actually make a difference in pushing back against some of these policies? I think the Palestinian people is frustrated enough from all the international community organization because we have maybe the majority resolutions in the General Assembly and even in the Security Council. The Palestinian case got the majority of resolutions uh, but the, uh, unfortunately, no one of these resolutions uh, was implemented uh, by the international uh, community. But we have no choice. There are the uh, resistance on the ground. We have it. And now, unfortunately, we are in a very serious situation. There is violence from the Israeli army, the Israeli settlers. And also, there is a violence from the uh, Palestinian non-organized groups 
who uh, uh, act against the Israeli uh, occupation in a violent way. But unfortunately, the Palestinian uh, young people were killed uh, by uh, daily days. So you taken the, the international, uh, you, you taken the international route. You you go into international organizations, trying to seek pressure on Israel, knowing in advance uh, that you will be confronted by the American veto. You will be confronted by the American veto in the UN Council uh, that will block any sanctions against Israel. So. Why are you taking that route? I think you, you are right if you describe the American position along the way of our struggle to have this strong intervention from the international community. But also, we don't neglect the human rights conventions and we, the international law and the international willingness and the international support for the Palestinian uh, issue uh, all the time. We also uh, maybe think that there is a time that the international community will change its policy towards Israel. Israel cannot get this cover by the American veto all the time. There are, there, is, there are situations that the American administrations let the Security Council resolutions like the last one, two, three, three, four, which yeah. differentiates between the occupied territories and Israeli on 1960 borders. I think it is important to get more and more international uh, intervention, even if there is an American veto and an American obstacles to uh, put the pressure on Israel. We also think that this may, be, uh, uh, may change um, um, in any time. Uh, but the Palestinian struggle on the ground and the Palestinian uh, uh, decisions also uh, may change the, the, this uh, maybe uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, neglecting the, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. I think if there is a violence and if there are clashes on the ground, if there are Palestinian struggle, especially uh, popular struggle on the ground, I think it may change the, the status now and make the international community to intervene in a stronger way. And Ashraf, uh, along those lines, we've seen a pretty significant spike in violence in the West Bank, and that was even before this, this coalition was sworn in in Israel, uh, knowing that these policies uh, can really exacerbate tensions in the occupied territories. How concerned should people be about the rise in violence that we've seen and the potential for significantly more violence in the months ahead? You know, when people uh, lose hope, I think uh, it will be a very dangerous situation. 
especially when we are speaking about young people who uh, don't see that there is a better uh, maybe future for them in the uh, near or the seeing uh, future. The Palestinian young people are frustrated enough uh, and losing hope to act even their lives uh, are not so important for them because they don't think that there will be a better future for their uh, for themselves and also for the uh, coming generations. And because of that, they think the only way is to resist the occupation, even to sacrifice their uh, lives. Uh, they, they don't uh, care about their lives because of losing hope and because of uh, frustration. I think this is a very dangerous situation. We don't want to see it, but unfortunately, it is on the ground. We are experiencing this situation and we are experiencing the killing of uh, many young people uh, uh, almost every day in, in West Bank. And I think it's important uh, just to add to that, to really underscore the fact that today's Palestinian youth, they make up a, a really significant portion of the population and to have grown up in the era post-Oslo. You know, as we did an episode, a two-part episode on this, in which you were uh, one of the guests with with Hila, and we, you know, we talked to the older generation that saw Oslo play out, and then we talked to the younger generation of Palestinians and Israelis who grew up in the shadow of Oslo, and to not have memories of lived experiences of of coexistence of of hope. There's only so much people can take. And I think that's such an important point, Ashraf, that you made. Um, one other question I want to ask related to that, you know, we've seen on social media, a lot of, a lot of videos and photos. And as you've, you've sent a number of these over to our staff of Palestinians protesting against the Palestinian authority uh, security forces. Um, you know, we look at Mahmoud Abbas right now, he is 87 years old. He's serving, um, you know, he's over a decade and a half, I believe, into uh, his four-year term. Uh, what role does the discontent with the Palestinian Authority play into these tensions that we're seeing right now? You know, the uh, Palestinian people uh, are uh, also disappointed from the uh, Palestinian Authority or Palestinian leadership. Because this leadership, until this moment, is committed to Oslo agreement. And the Palestinian people see that the Israeli government isn't committed to this agreement. They invaded all Palestinian cities, area A, every day. They arrest people, they kill people, and the settlement activities are in, in everywhere in the West Bank. In intensive way, the Israeli government uh, uh, tries to uh, urge the settlement uh, activities. And people uh, are disappointed of, uh, that this government or this leadership didn't uh, uh, change the situation. There's no hope to have a solution 
there is no hope that Israel will uh, uh, be committed to Oslo Agreement and to implement uh, all uh, items of this agreement. And also, they don't see uh, any change of the economical situation within the Palestinian territories. We are in a very bad situation, especially the Palestinian government has uh, no enough money or income to uh, pay salaries for, for uh, its employees. And, and the situation from all uh, points are very bad. And because of that, the leadership also is responsible of what Palestinian people uh, experiences in, in, in uh, their everyday uh, life. And I think if there is uh, no change within the Palestinian uh, leadership by uh, uh, stronger decisions against the Israeli occupation, occupation I think uh, the uh, uh, the situation will be uh, maybe uh, harder and uh, we'll go to uh, chaos and uh, violence as alternative of having uh, an stable uh, uh, government or authority. Yes, uh, and uh, you know, uh, as you mentioned in the beginning that uh, we should uh, expect we should await uh, serious declarations by the Palestinian Authority, by the PLO, uh, to confront all these uh, measures that uh, Netanyahu's government is intending to apply to the West Bank, including uh, the biggest one you mentioned, uh, blocking Palestinians from building in Area C. Yes, uh, I, th I hear that there was... Uh a meeting for the PLO leadership and there were uh, decisions uh, should be declared uh, within a few days. I think uh, it will be uh, a stronger maybe response from the Palestinian leadership, else it will be a very bad situation even for, the, this, for this leadership within the Palestinian people. Uh, also, I think uh, there is also a need to uh, act jointly, Israelis and Palestinians, to keep hope and to uh, have uh, uh, maybe an option to save the two-state solution. Else, the, the uh, violence will be the, uh, the only alternative in, in this uh, 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 place. I don't want to see this. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the option of uh, violence is uh, very uh, serious and very dangerous, but unfortunately, there is a situation that uh, all of us uh, may be drawn to violence if we don't uh, see a change of the Israeli policy or a change even of the Palestinian leadership reaction against what the Israeli government does in, this, in the Palestinian occupied territories. Ashraf, you are a strong advocate of the two-state solution. And these are very hard times for the vision of the two-state solution. Uh, what do you tell every day Israeli and Palestinian? What do you tell Americans 
who wants also the two-state solution to materialize. What do you tell them to do? What can everyday people do? I, I want, I hope, that uh, Palestinians, Israelis, Americans, and the whole world will act immediately to save the two-state solution and to save the hope within the people of uh, Palestine, the people of Israel, and the whole region. Else it will be chaos and it will be violence and uh, uh, there is no security and stability for any party. Not just for Palestinians and Israelis, for Europe and for Americans and for the whole world. I don't think that it is the interest of the Palestinians or Israelis or the, the whole world to see violence uh, as the, the only alternative for uh, or the only option for people here. We want to see a solution. We want to see a change, even if it is a small change, just to keep hope and to have the uh, ability to start the peace process uh, in the near future, it will be very important. Washa, well, yeah. thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and your analysis, hoping for more peaceful days ahead. Once again, for those of us who are listening for the first time, you're welcome to subscribe to our show on your platform of choice and give us a rating if you would like to do so and follow us on social media. We'll have all those links in the show notes. Ashraf, thank you again so much for joining us today. We appreciate your time and hope to chat again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. See you soon, Ramallah.